0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in.
1: Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm joined by the co-founder and CEO of ASM Sports Group, Christopher Vidal. ASM Sports Group is co-founded by Chris and Ernie Els. Chris and Ernie have helped over 1,500 athletes in the last three years with securing sports scholarships worth on average 35,000 per year via their ASM scholarships brand. ASM Sports Group just launched a job platform for student athletes from NCAA to employment. Working with seven world-class athletes like Sir Nick Faldo, Brian Habana, and Johan Creek, leading the way in connecting NCAA athletes with NIL opportunities. ASM Sports Group offers a global agent course to scale their agent opportunities, currently at 300-plus across 27 different sports. Chris has advised the Olympic Committee, Sports Accord, World Golf Foundation, British Olympic, and countless sports federations and governments on dual career sport pathways. We are pumped to have such a creative and entrepreneurial-minded guest. So, Chris, my friend, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. So we took our crack at researching you all and figuring out how you got into this. But in your own words, how did this come about?
0: Yeah, um, it it comes really from when I was a kid. I was playing golf uh, in England. Um, You know, I was trying to get to be a pro like Ernie and all the famous golfers that I was watching back then. I I mean, back then my idols were Nick Faldo, uh, Ernie Hells actually, Tiger Woods was another one. And, um, obviously I was 14, 15, wanted to be a pro pro golfer. So as you do, you think, how do you do that? Um, I remember buying, uh, I think it was Ty Woods' book. He brought a book out, I think it was in the early two thousands about how I play golf or something. And there was like two pages in that book. I think mean, it might've been four, but you know, it was not maybe compared to the whole book, but it was about Stanford university. Um, and I, I've never been like a big academic kid. Like I was always drawing golf courses on my schoolwork, like. Uh, if anything, I should be a golf architect cause I've probably drawn about 7,000 golf courses on, on different, <laughs> different courses. but I was always thinking how I could play that hole. It was always golf, golf, golf. Um, so I, like uni was something that I was always a bit, like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. Cause my grades are always like D's and C's and I always was like, maybe I'm not that smart at school, but I was never really pushed like golf. I had it down to a T, um, so yeah, I saw this thing on Tiger about Stanford. staff. I was like, that's cool. Not knowing how you know academic Stanford is, I just thought I can go there and play golf there. Um, so I like researched it. Like I went on Google and I put in, you know, Stanford University, how do you get in? And that all kind of went over my head I was like, that's way too complicated. So I just ended up emailing the coach and I wrote something like stupid back then, but I thought that would get me in, which was like, hey coach, I'm Chris from England, the player of plus three. I'm um, looking to come get a scholarship to play on your team and, and win <laughs> thinking that was going to work <laughs> two weeks later I didn't get an email response and I'm like all right maybe I should email him again so I said hey coach did you get my last email no response so I like, maybe I should try some other schools so I tried that like Florida University of Florida try Clemson Arizona got, didn't get any feedback so now I'm, now I'm panicking so I'm like how good do you have to be I'm like playing my country I play for my county I'm um, playing all international events like I mean I know I'm decent like I know I'm not the best best player but I was I thought if I can play so I'm like, yeah. like how like this school stuff so and I was sold on going to uni I was like you know if, if that's what Tiger Woods did then that's what you got to do because he was the best player in the world at the time it's like I need to get into being a pro golfer I have to play at Stanford or somewhere like that um then happened like Five months later, uh, a recruitment agency came to our, our county event um, and they did a presentation on golf scholarships. I'm like, this is it. This is what I need to do. This is this is my entry point to get into uh, the US. So I signed up with them. Uh, they were charging about 2,000 pounds at the time, which is about $3,000 to help you. Um, a bit naive, didn't do a lot of research on them, just thought they must be good because they've been recommended by the county golf union to, to work with. Um, not much happened. So like about six months into it, like I'm I'm expecting things to happen fast. I'm a very much yeah. like I want things to happen fast. I do that a lot in our culture here in the company. Um, so I started questioning them, saying, hey, what's going on? Like then people were leaving, I'll get a new agent and there was nothing was happening. So then I was I had other friends who had signed with them too and they weren't getting anywhere either. So panic mode was starting to kick in. And now I'm 17 because I signed up them when I was 16. And i knew you had to like be pretty fast in this process um i ended up coming to the states play went to orlando i went to actually Um golf academy you had here like a par three golf academy just went there to play golf and train um pitch picked it out because you know i played on his junior tour um so i knew it would be a good place to go and then i had a golf lesson there of one of the coaches and he knew a coach in college he said like are you have you thought about playing college golf I said yeah I'm, I'm trying like i signed his agency nothing's happening He goes, I know two coaches right now I can get you into. So he called Notre Dame and he called Bowling Green. Um, Big schools. I didn't really know much about them, but I was only thinking Stanford and like Florida (laughs) and stuff. But I was like, yeah, man, I don't care at this point. I just want to come play. So um, literally two days later, these coaches fly down, come to watch me play, and they they both offer me scholarships. So Notre Dame were like, we can get you in, but we can't give you a full ride. Like it's going to be 50% which meant I had to pay like $20,000, which I didn't have. So I'm like, well, that's not going to work. Um, and then Bowling Green offered me a full ride and they were like, we'll have you, but I was too late in the recruitment process to get in. Cause they'd already done their cycle of like the applications. So he says, you can come the year after you could do a junior college and then we'll transfer you a year later. I was like, well, I don't know what the heck junior college is, but if it means playing golf in America, I'm in. So he connected me another coach at a junior college. And I went to, I came to Midland and Indian Hills, which are both like top two in the country. So I went to Hills in Iowa. Um, and then I uh, started, when I was in college, I had a lot of friends who still wanted to come over that hadn't been placed. So I started, this is when the business started, I started helping my friends. Hmm. Um, and the business savvy side of it came out of really watching the UK apprentice. Like you have the American version when you had Trump. Um, we had uh, uh, Lord Sugar. Um, and he was like a, a, a Londoner, like business wheeler dealer. And I've always been into like business a little bit. It's always like setting clubs and things like that. So I started helping my friends get placements because I was getting more offers from different schools when I was playing out here. Um, so I'd be placing. I placed like fifty kids from the UK for soccer and golf because I had a lot of soccer friends a lot of golf friends. And I'd charge not much money. I charge like half of what the competitors charge. So I was charging a thousand bucks. I'll be very clear. I said, look, I'm not a business. I'm just a player out here I know people and I can help get you to different schools so I'll call coaches I'd call you know I'll get, I'll get an offer from I remember one school had UAB show interest in me so I told coach that I'm not going to probably come but I've got someone else you could be interested in hmm. so okay thank you for being honest I send three players and they'll take one of the players um, and that's how it started so that's how, how I was starting an agency but it was an agency back there was just me doing it and I made about in the end I made about like $80,000 doing that over the course of being in junior college. So wow. It was almost yeah, I mean so I was like 80k I'm like I'm rich like this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um so, and then my golf got really good and then I was like, you know what? I've got enough money to turn pro with. I'm just going to turn pro and try and make it. Um so I did that. So I I turned down all the offers I had to these other schools because for me it was better to send other people there than me actually take a spot. So I turned pro um, I remember my mum and dad being a bit scared of that, like, you know, you need to finish education. So the deal was I could turn pro, but I have to do school in the UK. And we had this university called the Open University where you can do it online, which was really good. And I've got to admit, the US system gave me all the confidence in the world because the UK system, not dissing it, the teachers I had weren't pushing you to, they would tell you, you're not very good at school. That's it. Yeah. America, you're pushed. Like, you, you, I don't know what it is over here, but it's the, everyone's a high achiever everyone pushes the next level so I then got confident with academics and school work I started getting A's and B's when I was at school here so I, I then I thought you know what I could do an online school for university so I did that I was playing golf golf didn't go as well so I was hoping it would go so that 80k quickly became 50k then 40k then 30k and then I start freaking out I'm like hang on sure. a minute this isn't, like, this isn't a good return like you should yeah. be going up down. But I knew it would be a bit difficult to get into, but I was, I was like, I'm going to keep going. So then I started helping more athletes to make more money to keep playing golf. So I'm doing university online, I'm playing golf and I'm helping athletes get scholarships. And then I was like, you know, I can make this a business because the other agency that I worked with, signed up with when I was a kid was just getting bad rep. The BBC did an article on them saying that they basically let lots of these kids down So I saw a chance in the market to get in there and I already had a lot of success stories, a lot of friends who had been through my process. So I just created my first agency. Um, and then within the first year, I helped about 200 athletes, um, revenue wise, I was over like 300 K and after the first year of doing golf university and starting the agency, I was like, I need to pack in golf. I'm clearly better at this business side of stuff. Wow. Um, so when I had that happen, I was like, you know, I'm going to make this serious. I was studying business economics. I was trying to apply as much of that into what I was doing. So they just became agency life and schoolwork. But it was really 80% agency, 20% schoolwork. I'll do my schoolwork as quickly as I could do it and then just get back on the work side of things. And I think to any entrepreneur, young kid out there, when you're in school, I think that's the best time to try a business because... You can make your mistakes whilst you're at school. You 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 know you can fund it your, your, for your, your parents most likely, or on scholarship potentially. Um, you have no risk, so you can go take more chances and things. And I remember one of the big things I decided to do was I'm going to try try create a franchise model. Um, you know I, I didn't have the the, the kind of the, the knowledge of how to build a whole team, 50 people. That scared me having lots of overheads. You know I was young, I didn't have a ton of money, 300K was great, but I knew it wouldn't survive that long in business if you start hiring people, it doesn't work out. So I want to take as little risk as possible with financially, but grow as fast as possible. So I looked at franchising, I looked at McDonald's, obviously the world leaders in franchising. Sure. Um, And I, I, okay, well, I looked at how McDonald's did it. I couldn't figure it out. So I was living in Germany at the time and I thought I'm going to go to the HQ for Europe was literally 20 minutes from my house in Germany. I was living in Munich. So I just drove there with a suit on. I was like 22, no, 21. I was 21. Went with a suit on, walked in. I My German was very poor, like it was basic. So I walked in and said, hey, I want to buy a franchise. And they looked at me like, who the heck's this kid? Like he is like this 20, like <laughs> he's young. Like he wants to buy a McDonald franchise. I had no idea how much it was going to be. So I didn't want to buy one. I just wanted to learn how they did it. Yeah. So they're like. It took me seriously because I was so confident. I, I got that skills from the US, like playing college golf, like yeah. selling something. So it took me seriously. The bit, first they were a bit wary. And I was like, look, what do I do? What do I have to do? Uh, so, and then they, they, they walked me through the process. They gave me the materials. That's really all I wanted was the materials, right? The, the, the knowledge book or their processes, how, what they do support. So that was like, I looked at that as like my university crash course into franchising. Learn from the best. So I took that, I basically rechanged it all, made it into what I thought a scholarship franchise would look like. And then I put out some ads and then I started getting interest because what I didn't realize was how many people want to work in sports. So I came up with a concept and then literally to fast track it, three years later, I had 25 global franchises in the scholarship agency world. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. It comes with challenges. Like, you know, you you think everyone's going to work as hard as you. It's not the case, but... We, uh, it was a great learning experience in the franchising model. Now I don't do that model because I've learned it's actually way easier to hire your own people and build up from there. But yeah. at the time, it was a great way to do it. So fast tracking, sold that business uh, about four years ago because um, uh, I had an opportunity to come work with Ernie else And uh, Ernie else reached out to us. Really funny, I was living in the States and his social media manager went to the same gym as I. And we'd known each other for like, Two years at the gym, but I never knew what she did. And then one day she comes to me, she goes, Oh, you're Chris, you work um uh for this this company I had at the time that I sold. And I was like, Yeah, and she was like, Well, we'd love to talk to you. I was like, I didn't know you worked for any else I've known you for two years. And she was like, Yeah. I was like, if I known now, I'd have been on your face like a year ago, like, (laughs) hey, let's get a meeting, let's get a meeting. I need to do a partnership with you guys. So I met with them. We hit it off, and um, it didn't make sense for my old agency to, to have him come in. I had some partners at the time, so we, I, I just sold out, started a whole new one from scratch um, with him because I just saw the benefit where we could take that. You know, having a global star, um, having his network, and within a year, I did more revenue in the first year of that agency than I did in the last three years of the previous one. So oh. it was night—it was night and day having that that respect of a caliber of an athlete behind you. And then fast tracking to now we're, we're in a 4,000 square foot office. We've got an investor coming on next month. We're going to be making an app and when they're doing more than just scholarships, now it's become pro sports careers, um, and scholarships. So we're trying to help create a whole pathway for these athletes, not just to get the college, but life after sport or professional management. So, you know, it, it's, it's evolved a lot over the last 10 years.
1: I've been doing this. Wow. Man, what an amazing story, a global story. One that is, <laughs> uh, was it isolating at times? Like when this, these whole first early years, you're walking into this McDonald's headquarters by yourself. Did you, did you have to struggle with the self-doubt or had that confidence been so built through that time here in the States that you felt pretty good about it? The
0: States definitely, you know, play, I mean, I wish I did more years now. Looking back, I wish I, I, wish I did the whole four years in college but I don't also regret it because it's worked out to this day, you know, it's, it's still worked out. Um, but the confidence definitely came from being in America. I mean, I got pushed into situations which I would never have done back in the UK. Um, you know, out of my comfort zone all the time. Um, the, uh, yeah, doing the McDonald's, I did many things. McDonald's was one of them. Um, I don't know if I'll do that now. I don't think that would be so appropriate. Now I do a different <laughs> approach. I've learned more skills now, you know, I know how to get to things where I need to do it, but, it was a learning curve, and it was just you know what have I got to lose. I got nothing to lose here, so I might as well yeah. Be able
1: to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you were taking right. those, when you were taking those athletes in in helping look for, you know, scholarship opportunities for them, what did the was there like a vetting process? Because I would imagine one kink in yeah. that would be if somebody's just not good enough to get a scholarship, but they yeah. want you to just do it for them.
0: Yeah, well, the reason I started doing it was I was so angry at that other agency I signed up with. You know, I, was like, I paid all this money. Like My mom didn't make a lot of money. You know, we were single. I was a single child. I only got to know my dad later on in life. So um, I was annoyed. I was like, you know, this is it's $3,000. It's a lot of money. We didn't get anything for it. We didn't get a refund. So I just wanted to help my friends make sure they didn't get nothing or make sure they didn't sign with that agency and lose their money because there wasn't many agencies back then. So I knew a lot of these kids I was working with because most of them were my friends. Gotcha. So I knew they were golfers or good soccer players. I knew they could play. So I didn't really do much vetting then because I knew them. Their friends though, they recommended, I'd like check more. So I'd ask like, you know, who do you play for? or What's your handicap? Because um, only soccer and golf I was doing. As I evolved into more sports, then we had to start doing more of a process. Like look at video, do what a coach would do. Yeah. You know, look, at, look at all the athletes' credentials or academics, give them an idea what's possible. And then, you know, once you've placed a few really good players, you gain the coach's respect. So I know if I'm, I would never call say Stanford for a golfer. He's got a seven handicap. Like I'm going to lose coach Conrad's respect in 10 seconds. But yeah. if I only call him, I've got a good player. I've got an advantage over everybody else because he's going to always pick up the phone and I can bring him potential player. Might, he might not take the player, but there's interest there. The client's happy because they're getting interest. And it's, you know, it's up how the interview goes and the rest of the, the season goes to the golfer but i can get the doors open for them and you would always check and see if they were good enough for that you would never as an agency you don't want to risk your reputation and, and work of a bad player it's gonna it takes forever to build it up and it can be done like that if you get a wrong player
1: absolutely i mean trust in business across industry is one of the most vital kind of resources that you can cultivate right i, I saw i saw an interview with nick saban talking to bill belichick the other day and he was talking about how Bill is one of the few NFL coaches that takes the time to call him and ask him about the players that are coming through the draft. And yeah. he said, man, I don't know why the other 32 teams aren't calling me because yeah. I've never been wrong. I've never been wrong. If I told someone, yes, you need to take this person or yes, he's good, but a B or C is, is a hesitation. And he, cause he's got that, he's got that instinct of he's, worked with enough of these players that you should be calling him and you can trust his opinion. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. I mean, I can tell you another quick story. So, you know, in this journey uh, about six years ago, I met Cynic Faldo. So I was trying to get a partnership with Faldo series. I played on the Faldo series. So they've never partnered with any agency ever before for scholarship stuff. And I knew that, and I knew if I could get a partnership with them would be huge because they have massive golf network. They're trusted. Uh, And I approached them. This is before I, I was working with Ernie they knew me because I played on the tour, right? But they didn't. They didn't. You're working with someone who's got is the best British golf of all time. They're not going to risk anything, even if they know you play on a tour, you do good sure. work. It's good enough for them to take that risk. But I didn't understand that back then because I was like, I know I don't want to make mistakes. I want to be successful. I want to do things right. But they don't want to take any risk. So I was very close to getting a deal with them, but it just didn't happen. And I, I was like, I didn't understand why I got down about it. But I was like, I'm going to keep going on. But I was, I really wanted that just for my own personal satisfaction of playing on that tour, him being an idol for me um, and wanted it to happen. And it was so close. So I, was, I was right at the final stage and it happened. So I was like, damn it. But then six years later, it happened. So it was probably my longest still profile line. Um, wow. I kind of gave up on it. And then once I got Ernie, the whole, the whole situation changed because now I've got a, a, a golfing legend stamp approval. This guy's good. He's reputable. He can get it done. And now everybody wants to listen to you. So it changes the game, but that took 10 years to get to that point.
1: Mm. So,
0: you know, it's not, you want things to happen fast, but you have to also be realistic. You have to build your reputation up, earn the right to have that respect. And then once you got one, then you can open more. And you know, now we're over, I think we have nearly 10 global ambassadors in different sports that are respected. Um, so it takes time. Wow. And you obviously things to happen fast, but it doesn't work like that. That's you know?
1: the hard part, man, because usually what we see gives us the impression that things like this happen quickly. You know, you'll see yeah. something on Instagram or you hear someone's story and you're like, man, that's kind of how it's going to be for me. I just need to get in front of this person. I'll I'll get in front of them on Shark Tank or something yeah. and it'll all take off. And it's like, no, you spent 10 years building a business while also building relationship and showing patience, patience and perseverance, right?
0: Right. I think if you go I and mean, what the most valuable thing I've learned now is to find people who have done what you've done and, and work with them, you know, they can teach you, it's great having any L's, but the ones that you don't see in the background are on the website, my mentors right? my business mentors who've built million dollar businesses or billion dollar businesses. They didn't get to that situation overnight unless you won a lottery, but you're not a business person if you win the lottery, right? You're just lucky. So yeah. <laughs> like, they build a, a million dollar business or a billion dollar business It's 10, 20 years. There's no shortcut. Um, obviously you get those stories where it might be two, three years, you know, uh, the Instagram guys who sold to, to Facebook, I think that was one or two years, but they spent years and years before sure. like, perfect craft in yeah. something else to do that, to get to that point. So, yeah, I, I think when you see all these TikTok videos now about the you know, buy these cryptocurrencies and you'll become a millionaire in a week or so, it's, If you've had experience, you know, that's just a full of shit. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's not going to happen then.
1: Yeah. With those business Um, mentors, did they they emerge in your life somewhat organically or was it something you intentionally sought out?
0: um, It was, yeah, I kind of sought it out, but it also just fell into place. So I was always looking like, okay, what skills do I need to get to next level? Because I always thought, I use my athlete kind of knowledge. I was like, okay, what am I weak at? What am I good at? What do I need to get better at? um so i was always thinking okay well sales is really important because without sales you don't have any revenue to do anything and then you have you know then you gotta do your servicing and the customer service and then operations all this stuff so the real thing i was looking for was a coach when i was playing golf I always had coaches right i'm a golf coach psychologist that was my team to help me do what i need to do to be at optimal level to play golf so i looked at the same strategy okay i'm in business now who are my coaches who can i turn to to help me with sales with marketing with customer service? So I would go to events. Initially, I'd go to events, um, and then you'd see a couple of guest speakers. I remember one—I um, can't remember his name—but he was an Indian guy. Played college tennis. I think it was Sharan, Sharan Afista. I have to look. He's not my mentor, but I—I I, I spoke to him for like ten minutes. But he—he he said something in the in the in the presentation was like, you know, a good way to ask someone is, instead of is emailing them and saying, "Hey, can you help me? Hey, can, I'll give you ten thousand dollars, and could you help me for an hour?" Uh, that'd be a great way to ask someone to get someone of that kind of calibers time right because their time's money yeah so I thought you know what he said that let me try it so I Facebooked him I found him on Facebook I said exactly what he said he wrote back great ask and I said I'd love to just learn a bit if you could help me or something he didn't even charge me he just loved that I adopted what he said and then I had an hour of his time and he helped me with like some marketing ideas I was struggling with and I took that and you know, he said, I don't think there's anything else I can help you with now, but I hope that was helpful. I said, I appreciate it, man. Um, so I do things like that. I just try to learn what they would say and uh, reach out to them from what they would say. And then you build a relationship if there's a good connection. You know, luckily, I'm in sports. A lot of times I like the industry I'm in. You build a relationship. Sometimes you'd fund an event or pay for a mastermind ticket they're doing, so support them back. You can't just always grab, grab, grab. You got to yeah. get back too. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it's huge. You know, Actually that's thinking good. through an exchange of value instead of just yeah. an expectation to take some value.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I'd always, initially in my earlier days, I'd always just ask, but then I realized as I got older, you, you can't just take, you have to also give. So I'd always, try, if I wanted a mentor, I'd always try to give them something first, then, then take um, before. And then in, that way you're exchanging and it's it's a value for everyone. I'm yeah. probably getting more value out of it than they are because obviously they're already successful. They a lot of times just want to help um, but they they also don't want to feel used, right? Like, right. You know, they want to feel like you know one of the guys I, I've worked with two I've worked with a lot is Ty Lopez and Grant Cardone. Um, I found Grant to be great with sales training, helping use his strategies to help my team with their own developments. And Ty Lopez has been fantastic when it comes to strategy and psychology, right? Mm. So um, I've spent time one on one with them. I've done their courses. Like I've basically given to their businesses. But I've got a lot of information out of it that's helped me get to where I want to go.
1: Man, that's awesome. You know, I would say the most uh, frustrating email I've gotten, I'm definitely not as sought out as, as these people. But when people want some of my time, it usually sounds like, hey, can I buy you coffee and pick your brain? And it's so <laughs> ambiguous. You know, I'm like, pick my brain? About what? Like, I don't, I'm not going to just schedule random coffee. But the time someone has said, here's what I know about you here's what I know you're really good at or knowledgeable about. I would love to ask you about this specifically. Usually I'm like, yeah, that's, I would love to speak into that, you know? So even sometimes it's just how you phrase the question, not just can I pick your brain? No, what do you want to know specifically? Marketing, sales, psychology, like what could I help you with? And often people are excited to give that specific wisdom away that they know they can add value.
0: Exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's how you ask is is the way to get in.
1: Yeah. So let me ask you this and change gears just a little bit. What have been some of the, the differences in building this business now, either because it's later in your career with more knowledge or doing it with Ernie versus the first business that you grew and scaled in a very similar market?
0: Yeah. So with the, I've always wanted to do more than just scholarships, right? As an athlete going through the collegiate system here in the States, I saw, you know, what do you do after college? There's very few are going to make it pro. So, and then you're on your own, you have this fantastic support system and then you're out of college and then bam, like, okay, I'm on my own now. So I wanted to create a pathway for athletes. Having worked with Olympic committees and federations, I've they're always trying to figure it out. And what frustrated me, I used to live in Switzerland, I was really trying to push, push that kind of partnership stuff with these guys. They take forever to do anything. And I get it cause they're, they're, they're big and they got lots to risk and lose. So they don't want to do many things. So I was like, I'm just gonna do it myself. So when I got the chance to work with Ernie, i was like okay now i've got something incredible i could actually do these ideas i have and make them happen and which was like on a scholarship agency to find talent help the kids get a basic free education in the states and then from there if we have good talent we can then professionally manage them in the sports world because we can look and see how they develop and if they're not good enough to go pro we can help them get a job so that i can create three companies effectively i have a scholarship brand a pro management agency and then i have a careers platform like you know like a, what's the big one here? Um, indeed, but it'd be more around sport specific yeah. athletes, right? Yeah. Cause for a company, you know, you're, you're going to get an athlete who's determined used to team environment. They just go get a type of people most of the time. So that's what I wanted to, that's what I'm building now. And that's what I couldn't do before because I didn't have the right people around me to help that happen. I could do it, but it wouldn't be as successful. Like it'd take way longer. Now I have actually got resources behind me that I can tap into and, an idea can come to fruition
1: much faster than before. So for
0: yeah. me, it's a vision of what we want to do, and I've got the network to do it now.
1: What have you found? Two things. So, what have you found to be easiest in executing on this vision, and what have you found to be most challenging?
0: Um, I'd say what's challenging is, is is probably I'm very impatient. So I, my, my own worst kind of killer. Like I'm like I oh, want to happen now, and it doesn't happen now. It takes time. So that's a lot, I'm better at that, but you know, I, I have an idea. I just want to get it going and, and move it. Um, I think a lot of times when you start something new, like our careers business, like we are new to that business, right? Okay, cool. We have cool athletes behind us working with us. That opens the doors, but then you've got, you know, like bank of America, whoever is is you're trying to get on the platform to recruit athletes into their They're so like, well, I don't know if we want sports athletes. And I was like, well, when we first spoke, you said you're interested. And now it's like, hang on a minute. So, I think what's frustrating is other companies is they're not always honest with you about, it. they just sometimes want to have a chat and learn about it, but don't actually want to do anything. Yeah. Um, that's sometimes like time wasters are annoying, but when you get the first couple of good ones, it is it, much easier. Um, I think one of the, 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 good things is, is being, is, is having an idea. And when you see it working, it really gives you that satisfaction. So it gives you that reward of like, okay, this can work. This can go somewhere. Um, but it's a lot of it, just being patient, just every day, making goals, working towards the project, making sure you're moving forward. I think that's where, as an athlete, you, you set your goals, right? You set what you want to do as an athlete, where you want to go to the same thing, stopped it in the business, just create a plan. I want to be here in six months and then break it down and then hit those goals every, every month to get there. So definitely though, having celebrity athletes on board helps because it does open a lot of doors. It's made a lot easier for me to, to get these ideas to people but then having to always learn when you don't get the result you want from a company that you're trying to get on the platform or from a potential athlete trying to sign up. Okay. What did we do wrong? So I did something wrong. They didn't, they didn't want to work with us. So why? Um, sometimes just ask them, you know, cause sometimes you bash your head in like, why did I not work? And I was like, sometimes like, yeah, I know you don't want to work with me, but I really appreciate why I'm not going to come. I'm not going to annoy you and try to get you read to do this. Like I'll leave you alone. I just really want to know what I need to do in the future to do better. And they yeah. don't really tell you. So like, I'm like, cool. I'm like, okay, that's what I need to change. So I went not go back to them. I'll go change that. And then I'll get like a competitor of them interested. And then they come back normally and say, hey, hang on a minute. How come they, it's funny how things work out. <laughs> I was like, well, you told me what was not good and I changed it. And then I said, I was going to leave you alone. So
1: like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's that, feedback, normally... it's that feedback loop. It, that is something that I think we all have to learn better in business is like you said, we will kind of just think like, I wonder yeah. what happened when we could just ask. Can you tell me yeah. why you chose not to work with us, right? Right. There's so much valuable I mean, like, information that comes back from that feedback.
0: Right. Like, it's funny, playing golf all my life, when, when you play bad, you know why you play bad, right? You can analyze it yourself, but in business, it's harder because it's someone else's decision-making. Yeah. So you can try to figure it out as much as you, you can, but you can't really get in their brains. so unless you ask them what they're thinking, you don't know. And you have again, it comes back to that McDonald's days. You have nothing to lose in that situation. You've lost the deal. So you might as well ask them like, hey, what was it you didn't like about the deal? Like, or what was mm. it you didn't like about the project we're trying to portray to you? They could tell you the answer or they could tell you nothing. I always make clear though, look, I'm not gonna hassle you and try to win your business back. I just wanna know for my own personal feedback. Yeah. Cause if you don't say that, then they're like, they're gonna think you're gonna use it against them and try to get them back, Yeah. right? So I always make it clear, I'm not, not gonna do that, I just wanna know why. And I'd say 75% of the time I get an answer which is hugely valuable to help you grow, Yeah, hugely valuable. You don't do it, you're you're always gonna try to figure it out and it takes longer to then figure it out. You might figure it out eventually, but you might get it wrong five, six times.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm curious for you on the personal level, uh, when you were an athlete, much of your learning and much of your thinking was around, how do I get the best out of me, right? Whether that's my practice routine or whether that's my sleep, my diet, whatever. In business, it's often helpful to ask the same kind of questions, like how do I show up as my best? How do I leverage my skills? How do I recover adequately or stay sharp? How do you think about that now as a business person in terms of leading yourself to get the best out of you?
0: Um, I, I think it's you, you. You have to understand yourself, like what makes you perform at the best, right? So for me, like you know, getting enough sleep. Going to the gym so i feel like i'm ready to do my highest performance level and then analyzing across the business what's really important for the business right now what's important for it short term what's important for it long term yeah so obviously because if you just look for the long term you're going to suffer short term and it's amazing when you start being successful you'll get people coming offering you these ideas and you can get distracted so easily yes um and i think it's really important to make mistakes in the early days because those mistakes you learn in the early days will help you later on understand what doesn't work. Because I've seen many times, like, even our employees, they come to me with an idea, oh, we could do this. I'm like, I've already done that, like, six years ago, it doesn't work. Like, so it's like, let's not waste time on it. Let's <laughs> focus on the plan, we're doing this, because I know that doesn't work, right? Um, I say, if you want to do it, you can do it yourself, but that's on you, not on me. I'm not going to fund that part of that idea. You can fund it yourself, and I'll give you the money back if it works, but I doubt it is. Sometimes they do it because they just want to see if they can prove you wrong, and like, no, you're right. And you get their respect, and then you can move forwards. And say, so, okay, now you're gonna listen, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think short-term goals, long-term goals, and 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 and, and you got to be good with yourself. Whatever makes you work—if it's coffee, if it's running, whatever it is—you, you, everyone knows themselves. Yeah. Um, and you yeah. Adapt, do you have any specific?
1: Lovely- sorry to cut you off. Do do you have any specific no, personal or 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 and or business habits or routines that you find to be yeah, uh, helpful for you.
0: Um, yeah, for me, definitely. I like to work out at least once a day, uh, five times a week. Just to keep. I just like working out. Um, I don't. When I'm lethargic, I just don't feel like I operate well. Um, I like same to time every day. No, it varies. Um, sometimes morning, sometimes evening. I'm not strict about the time, just as long as it gets done. Okay. Right. So, like my non-negotiables are work out at least once a day, morning or evening. Emails. I, I hate if my emails are not. If I just see you next day, and I forgot to go through them. It just, it just stresses me out. So I want my emails every day, at least once a day, I go through them all and they're done. Mm. Um, so that's a big thing for me. So I know I'm up to date with things. Um, eating well, I mean, I don't I think it's usual stuff. Like just how do you How do you start well. your day? Uh, normally I get up around like, depends six to seven, depending on the day. Uh, I'm not strict about like has to be this time. Because uh, then I feel like it stresses you out. Like, oh, damn, I missed my six o'clock wake up. Like, now I'm freaking starting the day bad. So, if it's six <laughs> or seven I'm, Like, I'm not going to kill myself because I wasn't exactly on time. Yeah. Um, normally, I have, I have two kids, so I normally help my kids a little bit in the morning. I'll get to work around 8.30, do my emails, do a couple quick meetings, and then, then it's hitting the target of the day, what I've got to address and get done. Um, then afternoon work is normally kind of more like development, so more... Not such intensive work. It's just trying to figure stuff out.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: And then I get home normally around five, six ish, see my kids, work out, chill out. Um, In the earlier days, it was a lot longer. I'd be up to like two in the morning, getting up at like six. So sometimes seven, I'd be doing like four hours sleep. That was fine when I was younger, but I'm getting older now. It's harder to do that and, and operate as well with that little sleep for me. So I'm learning what works for me. I can get just as much done. From 8.30 till 5.30, you know, as I could do in the early days, because now I know what to be smarter in my time. It's more being time efficient. Like being an athlete, you know, you utilize your time well. You could practice something forever all day. You might be doing the wrong thing all day. And when I was younger, I was. I was doing a lot of wrong things. So yeah. you had to have more time to figure it out. When now I know what's going to work, what's not going to work. Um, you know, I, I think if you don't do that, you're going to burn out eventually down the road.
1: Yeah. You know, I, 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 yeah, really that's... Hard. That's really good advice, the idea of figuring out what works for you, because there's a lot of people that have what works for them, and then they try to impose it as the blueprint everybody should follow. But I like to think about things like that, almost like pregame routines or rituals. They really vary depending on players. There's certain things in common, but like Chad Ochocinco and Marshawn Lynch had very different kind of pregame rituals than maybe a very – like a Tom Brady, who's got his – you know, he's got his green juice – that he's gonna drink and yoga and and chat. And, yeah. you know, Marshawn Lynch is eating skittles and drinking some Hennessy. Um, yeah. It's just kind of different. But like when you talk about sleep, that's kind of a universal. You know, you look at you look at uh, Elon Musk, and he talked about years ago. You know, he, he only needed four or five hours of sleep. Yeah. And he talks this year, and he said that he gets now seven to eight hours of sleep because yeah. he he said, he said I ran the data and I realized it wasn't as efficient as I thought it was that I was making yeah. poor decisions. It was taking me longer to get things done because I was tired. Then if I went ahead and gave myself the seven or eight hours of sleep, I got more done in less time the next day.
0: Right. Exactly. No, I, I agree. I've, you know, I've done all those videos where you've seen Elon or I think Trump was one where you see he only operates some four hours of sleep and he doesn't drink. And then you've got, uh, who else have I seen? Margaret Thatcher, when she was on the ex UK prime ministers. She's four hours sleep. I'm like, so you look at all these high profile people are saying four hours of sleep. I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. Like I no, I'm done. The whole day's useless. So yes, you know, I, I think you just got to like, you've got to keep it to yourself. And as an athlete, you see it all the time too. Like you look at other athletes, you're, you're competing with them. And you think hey, I got to do that because they're doing that. You don't, you just got to do what's going to make you be better and perform better. So that way you can get to where you want to go. Because yeah. if I do what everyone else does. It doesn't work for you. It's not working. So just figure out what what works for you. I found my kind of source for now. It might change as I get older. I don't know. Like probably want to do even less, but more, more concise. I, I know a lot of the guys I've met over the years who are older in business, more wiser. They don't do as much as they did back in the day. They might not always want to tell you that they want to do oh, so much, right? Cause that's what people expect. They probably shareholders will be like freaking out. They're not only doing four hours a day, but they're they, working all day. Like, but the party—they aren't. they aren't, they don't need to because they've got other people around them working for them. They've just got to give the, the ideas, the execution, that's it. Yeah. Um, so, one, I learned that also from Ty Lopez. I was with him at dinner once and he said, if you look at the army, you've got your general, right? Your general is the boss of the business. And then you've got your troops. The generals are not working flat out, they're, they're coming up with the ideas and they're telling the orders to the, the troops what to do. And that's how you look at business. You are the general, you're there to make decisions. You know, you can work flat out, but really you've got to make the right decisions and order that to your troops to execute. And if you're yeah. making bad decisions, your troops are going to be making mistakes. So really you just got to get the decisions right. And then have people execute it right for you because it's different when I was doing this 10 years ago, to now, 10 years ago, it was just myself. Now I've got 30 people here in the office full-time relying on me to make the right decisions. I've got 300 global scouts. Like, i can't make bad decisions right you can't take yeah. as much risk because you's a lot more in a line now so you have to be operating efficiently
1: man there was uh there's a netflix series called the kingdom i don't know if you've if you've seen that or not
0: i've seen that's the is that the the war one where you go yeah to, yeah, yeah it's
1: yeah, like yeah, the I've vikings seen. you know as they're invading yeah. england and that kind of thing my wife and i yeah my wife and i love it and we've watched it you know for for months now but the one thing that always grabs me is either inaccurate in the portrayal or people were just dumb back then is in every war, literally these hand-to-hand combats, the king is in the front lines, the generals, like the most important people are literally right there in the front lines fighting with people. I'm like, that would never happen because if that king dies, the whole thing is over. Like, he would be behind the lines somewhere watching the ground troops, not in the freaking battle, right? And it's very similar in business. Like, it's good to be with the people, like making sure you're not above yeah. any kind of work. I'm not above doing that, I'm not above doing that, <laughs> but if I'm also not taking that time to work on the business and come up with a strategy and make the decisions, well, then nothing we're doing really matters right
0: exactly i mean and you, you don't send your your president out to the war right he's he's no. in the white house war room like you're not if you lose him you you're like, okay, you're in trouble so yeah um. I tell you another good series I watched. I was never really into that. I, I thought I'd never like it. It's The Crown on Netflix. I've it's been meaning to division. check that out. As a, I looked at it from a business point of view, how the Queen operates, and it's fascinating because I watched it during the pandemic, nothing else to do. Back pandemics, like I've got all this free time now, so I was watching TV. Um, and she is always never making a uh, like decision. She does, but it's it's other people's decisions, right? So the government's there as her puppet to basically take the fall if it all goes wrong. So she can never have an opinion. That was the thing. she was Never opinion. She's just like ask questions and it's then up to them to make the final decision, but she'll give her feedback, but it's not, they don't, it's up to the person asking her to make the final decision. So mm-hmm. it's just really interesting. She's like, we never can have an opinion. We are not, they're like Switzerland. I lived in Switzerland. They never have an opinion anything. It's just, they just listen and that's it. And then they hands off. Right. And that's kind of how she, <laughs> how, but it's all about how she keeps the power, and then I read this book about I think it's just called Power, um, and it, it, it's very interesting. Like you look at how people have kept power over the years, and I think you have to like learn from these things in, in business too. If you want to keep the top spot in your industry, like you have to understand how power works, how all these things work to get an advantage over others. You know?
1: Mm. Yeah, stuff. Like, man, stuff like that is really powerful. I watched, I watched, and then read the book on Winston Churchill. But there was a movie that came out called The Darkest oh, Hour, I and love that movie. I watched that in the theaters in the middle of the day because I was on the verge of quitting my business, like the business right, I had right. started, I was feeling so scared, so lost, like is this really going to work out, I have three kids, family, like am I a dummy for doing this, and I was like, I need a break, and I saw that movie was on, I was like, I'm just going to go watch a movie and see if like I can clear my head, I was crying by myself at like 3 o'clock in the theater watching this movie and identifying with his his plight again totally incomparable i get like what he had on his shoulders was like totally different but there were just a few scenes in the movie that like spoke to me so deeply about not quitting not giving up and sticking even if your back's against the wall like this is the mission i'm on like we're gonna see this through and it kept me it kept me going and so i just i find those really valuable like looking at Important leaders in the in the past, or stories that represent leader ideals, or things like that, has really helped me.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I watched the movie and I looked at it from a business perspective as well, and I was like, I mean, you talk about lifestyles; he's doing whiskey every day, smoking oh, a yeah. cigar, and having so taking a bath doing, twice a day. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing what works for him, right? Um, yeah, but yeah, I I think as well that is um it, it, never give up attitude and that, that's what i've always brought from my athlete days to to work here is i I'd sometimes have people come up to me in the office and like well, what if we if what if this doesn't work or what we're going to do if this doesn't happen i'm like i don't know we'll figure it out like there's this we're not going to fail we just adjust yeah. the plan figure it out we move to the next we keep going like it's not we're like well, we, what would you want me to say what well, we're going to just like give up okay bye go get another job like <laughs> that's not going to happen that ain't quitting. so i'm going to just figure it out change plan that's what the leader the general has to do you have to expect not always going to go to plan mm. but you have to be the one that everyone looks up to and leaning and like, look that like, well we'll figure it out we'll change a plan and off we go and yeah. if you're not confident with that people will see that and that's when you lose key people because they move on to other things they're like i don't know if the guy can cut it so uh, i'm very much big on culture in our company it's very important to us like winning attitudes we celebrate our wins we also look at when we lose what we didn't do right we, we like analyze it um so i think for me that's that makes it enjoyable to come to work because everybody else wants to be here so it's fun yeah you know we do boat days we do casino days we do dinners like every month we're trying to do a new new thing if we hit our targets and we you know we hit our goals we always make it fun for everyone
1: yeah i'm so glad you brought that up because that's where i wanted to transition next and i know we're we've only got just a couple minutes left um but what i've seen is in sports it's often not as easy to switch from being a star athlete to a great coach, you know, like Michael Jordan and different people, like just couldn't do it really that well. And but then you have a Steve Kerr who was a good player, but was a, it was really easy for him to transition to being a fantastic coach. And so yeah. in business, I found a similar challenge for me. Like it's one thing to lead myself. It's a different learning curve to learn how to lead a team. It's, you know, you're kind yeah. of in a different mindset. Was that an easy transition going from like a solo entrepreneur, just doing things myself, to building, recruiting a team, building a culture? Was that easy or challenging or somewhere in between?
0: Um, definitely challenging. I mean, I mean, I looked at it like I made a lot of mistakes on the way, done a lot of good things and right things, but I'm always trying to figure things out and, and better myself and learn from others. You know, so I never think I'm an expert. I'm always trying to improve and Admit when I don't get it right to the staff, and when I get it right, and then they know. So uh, I think you have, you have to always keep learning. I mean, if you look at it, when we're born, everybody's the same, right? As a kid, I have kids now, so I look at up They have no idea about anything. It's what you teach them. Yeah. and When you get older, like we all have the ability to be the next Elon Musk or Tiger Woods, but you have to want it enough. And uh, for me, I want to be uber successful in the sports industry. I want to take on the IMGs of Aston So. I'm not stopping, but I also understand I need to figure stuff out because I don't know it all. So I need to, that's what I need to spend my time on is learning things and keep improving. Anyone can do anything in life. It's just, if you have the willpower to figure it out and Mm. and it's it's how fast you get there. If you get the right advice, you get there faster, you get the wrong advice. It can take you longer. So for me, it's just about how bad do you want it? Right. If I really want to be a pro golfer, I could have stuck at it and, and kept going. i would probably been decent on tour probably not a tiger woods if i'm being honest with myself but i could have done okay but i didn't want it enough so i quit right and i yep. see that a lot of athletes like they all want to be pro every every kid that comes to our agency wants to be a pro and i don't want to put that i never put their dreams down i just always say look it's it's how bad you want it because if you want it bad enough it's going to show and you can yeah. see the ones you think are going to get there and you can see the ones that are probably not going to get there but they yeah. all think they're working hard enough and it's, it's when you get that reality check it's it's all about how bad you want to be at what you want to be
1: Oh, I can't agree more. That was that was probably one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. So I had a similar situation to you, except I was here in the States. But uh, we mentioned before the podcast, I played soccer. I played at a high level. And especially for soccer, it was different than football. Like my friends that played football, I think because it's a more established sport that makes more money, there are people actively flying around looking for talent. You know, they rank them and you're a five-star, four-star. There was none of that for soccer. And so... Yeah. You had a few chances in a year to get seen. So I played for the Olympic development program, so when we'd go to region camp or whatever, you had a few chances. There's one to two tournaments you'd go to that certain college coaches would be there. You had a few chances. And it, it was just interesting. Like, did I even get seen? I was hurt one of those tournaments, and I couldn't play, and I was like, oh, they're never going to to see me. There's no tape on me. No one's, like, taping our games like that. But I had a coach, yeah. similar to maybe Faldo for you. I had a coach that went and made some direct – introductions and even said you need to come into town and watch this kid and so i ended up getting my dream offer to go play at clemson they had no money at the time because they had a few scholarships they said first year would be a preferred walk on that we can do money the second year so yeah. on my visit i was meeting with a friend who was a year older than me that was playing there on scholarship and i was tell me the truth man should i do this you know we've been playing full on for years i'm about to commit to a college and his question was do you want how badly do you want to play professionally and I was like, uh, eh, I don't know. Like just how, wherever my heart was at, I was like, maybe if it comes around, he goes, that's not good enough, man. He goes, yeah. he goes, if you want this, like you want to play pro, then you need to play here. If you do not want to have to have it, I'd say you better just quit now and enjoy your college experience and find something you are passionate about. And yeah. he was right. I didn't right. take the scholarship. I said, dude, he goes, because listen, this is going to be a job. If you don't yeah. want to go to the next level, you're going to have to wake up every morning and do and work out. You're going to have to have block classes, then training afterwards, then go to bed mm-hmm. and repeat. And he's like, "If you don't mm-hmm. want to play pro, you might as well have a good college experience." <laughs> and so,
0: <Yeah. laughs> I did. you and can so go I, to the parties and enjoy them. We can't as athletes, like we get in trouble for it. So. Yeah. yeah. So
1: I, I literally told the coach. I said, "Hey man, I'm coming to Clemson anyways because I love the school, and if I change my mind, can I can I approach you?" And he said, "Absolutely." And I never changed my mind. And then eventually, yeah. I found the thing that I did never want to quit on, and that I want to be world class at, and that became my pursuit in life. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, here's 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 maybe um, a final question for you. Are there any particular philosophy or or thinking behind building a world class team with the people that you have? Like, how do you guys approach? about, we want to be the best. What are some what are some things you could pass along that you're the way you approach that?
0: Um, it's be, being on the same page, you know, it's making sure everyone that we have understands what we're trying to do and that they, they want to be a part of that because if, if, if they don't, they're not going to share the same passion. They're not going to execute as fast as we want to do. So we always try everyone that comes in, let them understand what we're trying to do here. Right. We want you to be part of this journey. We want you to get involved. We have stock options like we try and make them feel part of the whole journey um and, and part of the winning as well so for me is seeing how quickly they adapt. Obviously when they come in the first month they're nervous they're not used to it sure. like they're learning ropes but second third month we want to see some action we want to see that they're getting involved they're coming up with ideas we you're not just you know you're not just shut down and say don't give any ideas ideas are always welcome here good or bad like we don't know if they're good or yet until we know them right so we want right. to see what happens. Um, so like, we just always encourage that, try new things. I always, what, what I try to do a lot of the, the guys and girls here at the work is like, let's try to do a business of you. So we, you know, this is ASM sports group. We are a group. We want to make a group of sport companies for us. As long as it's under the whole thing, it's all about the athlete helping the athlete be better and, and helping them in that journey. We'll try things. So one, we just, uh, one of the guys here want to do a sports podcast. So, you know, he's working with me we're doing a whole sports podcast he's getting a good share of that revenue. So he becomes a business partner for us in that sector. Cool. Um, We're we're experimenting now with media. So like doing our own sports media business with our media team. So we wanna wanna grow a group of different companies like what Branson did. I look at Branson now as my new idol in business, right? Before it was athletes, now it's business guys. Yeah. And Branson has the Virgin brand. He's made many brands across Virgin, but they all kind of even entertainment or travel, they're all on the same kind of sectors. So for me, I'm, I want to do the same thing. I know it's not going to happen in one year. It's a, it's a 10, 20-year project. But in 20 years, I want to look it back and look. We have all these sports businesses under the ASM banner, which for, means Athletes uh, Sports Management. That's the, the acronym for it. But they all, it all helps an athlete from being a young kid all the way to being a pro or getting a job. Mm. Um, so I, need, I look for people that want to be in that journey and, and want to, to, to do that with us. And, you, and ah. you see it quickly, you see it quickly if they do or don't, you know? So that's, yeah. It's
1: awesome, man. Well said. All right, let's Let's We're going to transition now into our lightning round questions. We got five questions Good. for you that we've asked every founder on the podcast. So we're going to start with question number one, which is if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would it be?
0: Uh, never give up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've spoken about that, that, that necessary yeah. ingredient of perseverance right
0: never give up just keep keep going because you know you, it's not always going to go the way you want it to but you've got to keep going and figure the how how to make it work
1: love it all right question number two what is the single best business advice you've gotten about growing your business and also what was the worst
0: oh that's a good one uh single best advice i would say is just try right mm. so um If you have an idea, you can think and think and think, but it doesn't mean it's even going to work if you think to the death about it. (laughs) Unless you try it, you won't really know. And then if you try it it doesn't work, don't always just give up straight away. Again, that never give up strategy, try figure out how to make it work. And then if you've done that a couple of times, you're really stuck, then you ask someone for help. And if it still doesn't work, when it probably is just a bad idea, Mm. right? So it's got to be a point where okay, that is, I've done everything now, it doesn't work, right? But normally if it's a decent idea, there is a way to make it work. You just got to figure it out. So again, it's adopting that, never give up, then ask someone for help. So um, yeah, I think that's, it's just try it and see if you can make it work. And then the, you said the bad advice, right? The worst advice? Um, Probably, I don't know bad advice. Uh, Probably um, when people come to you uh, and they like, they they fish you ideas. So not getting distracted by other things so stick to your mission because other people are going to come and give you ideas like oh this could be good for your business you could do this and and what you do yourself is you um you get carried away oh you try to get your goal faster and take shortcuts yeah so you think oh that's gonna work i'll invest in that let's do that and it doesn't work oh damn it like like for me one of the ones that <laughs> the ones that always have failed for me is using these media agencies that say oh we can get you all these ads and we can grow your business see all these pr groups there's so some are good but the ones i've always discovered ask for twenty, forty thousand dollars and they produce you shit. yeah so like, <laughs> like they, they, they always promise you this amazing stuff and it never really works out um so i think like because you're trying to shortcut you're getting bought into that idea that, that we can get here faster and it's not really the case so yeah
1: you, you
0: got to stick to what you know and, 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 and not get distracted with that stuff.
1: So yeah. Love it. All right, question number three. As the leader of the organization, what causes you the most stress or worry currently?
0: Uh, stressed. I don't know. Nothing really worries me right now. Um, I would say, and this is probably the, NC, the uh, NCAA. I'm at the mercy of them in one of our businesses, right? In our scholarship business, they make a new rule that affects us massively. and There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. So I've just got to do whatever they say, right? And there's a lot of things I disagree with them, but it's sometimes it's better just to keep it the way it is. I know how it, the market's going to be. So that stressed me out a bit, like what are they thinking? What are they going to do? Um, so that's why I decided to get into other verticals with the business. We have the pro management, we have the career. So we have, in case they do a crazy rule, we can move over here faster. But yeah I'd say yeah. that's one thing it's external things that I can't control that because I know what we can do here and we can control it it's the n- NCAA the, the the or the n i a or these organizations that run college sports I, I don't know they can make a new rule where they say you can't work with agencies anymore, and I'm screwed in that point right so yeah, like I'd have to find a new way to do it, but yeah being at the not being controlled something you can't control that that's stressful
1: sure, sure I try okay, to cool think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's if it's in the category of something you can't control, it's not really yeah. worth us worrying about, right?
0: Exactly. Just keep going. But yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Question number four. What is the big, audacious goal that you have for this company?
0: Oh, that's easy, man. Uh, so I want us to be the number one sports agency in the world for what we do for you know scholarships, pro management. Like I want to take on all the big guys, like the IMGs, the Bassmans, Octagons. Like I want us to be the top, one of the top players, if not the top, to be honest. Yeah. working the best athletes in the world. Like, you know, like when you have a the next Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi Tiger was like Michael Jordan. I want us to be the guys that represent those guys um, and do it the right way. Make it incentivizing for them. Just be the coolest sports brand in the world for, for sports management. That's my long-term goal.
1: Love it. All right, question number five is a little break from the business questions. It's a creative question. So we're going to play Back to the Future. If you could hop into a DeLorean, you get to yeah. go back to your past. But we're not right. there to necessarily change anything. The, the deal is you get to pass along one message to that younger version of yourself. When yeah. would you go back and what message would you pass along to that younger version of you? Uh, I'd
0: go to myself probably when I was 19 getting into this industry um and starting it and just pass on all the knowledge i've learned from the whole 11 years <laughs> it's like everything because the handbook. I mean, yeah the handbook, like, this is what you're meant to do so you don't do the mistakes you make just yeah. do this is what works right and then you're like ah, okay i'd save a lot of money and time and been even further in development than i am now so yeah i think everything because all, just all the good stuff and the bad stuff so you know what to do
1: yeah and maybe maybe which players to watch out for that are coming through that you need to grab early right
0: yeah 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 just (laughs) everything from the 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 knowledge and the the, the stories you have so you know what to do and what not to do
1: it's awesome well my friend chris this has been awesome thank you for taking your time thank you for sharing your story with us this has been fascinating and it's going to be really exciting to see what you build and where you go from here
0: appreciate you man and any listeners that want to learn more about us just go to asmsportsgroup.com that's got all of our businesses and yeah, my email is chris at asmsportsgroup.com and give me an email if you want to get involved in sports we'd love to hear from you as well
1: and, and also have you have you launched that that sports podcast yet we do it's
0: um if you go to asm sports group so just go on itunes or spotify we have asm sports group and asm scholarships The both those podcasts are up and running and you can go on youtube as well
1: so awesome check them out Take thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you,
0: founders. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email, so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.